Hello and welcome to Eden Exchanges, the business journey podcast by Eden Exchange. Today we spoke to Simon McNeely, director of the Famished Wolf franchise, a burger business that's offering an amazing franchise opportunity. Listen as Simon reminisces on how the business came about, how years of experience and training led to their top-rate business model, what's on the menu, and who would make an ideal franchisee. Listen on to discover more. Hello everybody, welcome to our podcast. My name is Gary Powell from the Eden Exchange team. Today our guest is Simon McNeely, the founder of The Famished Wolf. Welcome Simon. Hi Gary, thank you. Simon, could you tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to be the founder, head cook, chief bottle washer and franchisor of The Famished Wolf? Yeah, I guess my background originally was in cooking. You know, when I first left high school, I was cooking. I I went on to do some things in sales and whilst I saved to start a business, I did some stuff in mining as well. Worked locally uh, where I grew up in Manly in very busy cafes and very busy steak restaurant. And then I moved over to do some stuff in French chalets. So I always wanted to start my own business and it was always going to be in hospitality. So the Famish Wolf is where I ended up. Okay. So were you working as a chef in those restaurants and chalets? Yeah, that's right. I was working as a chef in cafes when I was very young. I sort of had a, a bit of a knack for it and I was running the pass on a 200-seat steak restaurant when I was 18 and then I went over to do some travelling and, and in the chalets in France I was cooking for a small amount of guests, sort of breakfast and dinner and and uh, after that, I got into sales and came back into kitchens later on. So how did it all begin, Simon? I understand you originally bought an existing lunch bar in an industrial area. Yeah, I bought an existing lunch bar and we were doing special burgers and they became so popular that I sort of lived out the dream of turning it into a, a burger shop. And then as things went on, we we changed from being a lunch bar to opening evenings and started doing a lot of delivery via menu log back in those days. As that grew, you know, we had people showing up at night when we weren't even open. We were just a delivery only at that point and we sort of grew with the demand of the customers. So I guess they voted with their feet. I built a outdoor area. We started with the liquor licensing and that first shop was quite a long process which involved years of building up all those systems which then allowed us, when we opened our second shop, not to take years to build it up, but to open on the very first week at a $25,000 turnover and no mistakes and great reviews, which was all the time that we spent in Brayside building those systems over those years. Yep. You made the transition from being an employee. What were you doing before you purchased that lunch bar? Yeah, well, before I purchased that lunch bar, I had decided that I, I wanted to go into business for myself in hospitality. So I actually spent Directly prior to that, I spent four years living in Western Australia doing flying fly-out work, working 12 hours a day. I'd go to the gym after work and then I'd go back to my donga, which is your room on a mine site, and I would study business books and, and just really uh, put my head down to prepare myself for the goal of starting my own business in, uh, in cafe. So you've seen a lot of different hospitality operations. What did you observe about, you know, these places are operating as businesses? 
Yeah, well, I guess in hospitality for me, it's it's the word hospitality is the main thing that you have to keep in mind. You know, you yeah. you have to be hospitable to the customers and make them feel very comfortable. You know, even to the point of feeling loved. You know, that I've got a lot of customers. We're we're very friendly, and and that's some of the things we'll teach to franchisees is how to f- have a really community impacted shop supported by local families and businesses. It's very important to have that support to have a successful business moving forward. Yeah. All the businesses you worked in, were they all successful? Yeah, I would say, yeah. The cafes that I worked on Manly Beachfront, we used to do, you know, five, six hundred breakfasts on a busy day. So that was very busy. The steak restaurant was successful. I know a lot of operators that came and went whilst I was doing some stuff in hospitality that didn't have success. I was fortunate to be working in successful places. but So what, what did you think those people did wrong? Uh, a lot of people were, you know, one guy in particular that I did work with for a short time, he, he was spending too much money on suppliers. He was not watching the cost of his products. Basically, cost per plate was much higher than it needed to be for a cafe environment because he came from a fine dining environment. So that definitely taught me that, you really need to keep a, a lid on your costs. You need to work with your suppliers. And I guess in the Famished Wolf, with two shops going on to three and four, we have wonderful relationships and really good buying power. So we can make sure those costs always stay nice and low. Sure. I mean, it's often quoted that most independent hospitality businesses fail within their first five years. And I personally have owned a restaurant that was a lousy business. It was a fantastically successful restaurant but it was a lousy business. And when I realised that, I was able to turn it around. So in developing the Famish Wolf as a successful business, supplier relationships, what other areas have you concentrated on? Well, definitely training of staff, portion control. These things make a big difference. But for me, you need to have customers coming through the door, obviously. And then, you know, we need to make sure that the prices are set so that we can make the right amount of money off each item and then that's especially important when you you're dealing with delivery operators such as uber or deliveroo etc we need to make sure there's still money to be made once you paid their commissions so yeah that's the factors that i think make a big difference yeah it's a complex business i think people look at hospitality businesses restaurants and like you said there's training of staff product development setting menus managing those supplier arrangements cost controls branding marketing we're going to locate the restaurant. It's a complex business, really, isn't it? It is, yeah. So really, I, I think a, a lot of people are working on some old percentages. You know, it's for a long time, everybody would think that it's 30% food cost, 30% for wages, and then 30% left over for your lease and electricity, gas, etc. But I think it's really changed. You know, when you're paying these delivery hubs, you really need to be able to get your staff, your wages sort of around 25%, your food around 25%. And in a traditional cafe sense or restaurant sense, that's very, very hard to do. But the systems that we have with a lot of pre-made sources made at a Famish Wolf location and delivered to franchisees and, and other locations, it allows you to be open all day and receiving orders and, and money whilst doing the prep. So we never have staff in there just doing prep and not earning money. We're, we're always turning over over money. And I think that makes a big difference in, in keeping us around the sort of the 25% mark 
for wages and food. Without that, it becomes very, very difficult. Yeah, so that cost control. So it sounds like you've put a lot of thought into developing not just a well-known, respected restaurant environment, but also the foundations of making a wonderful business model. Yeah, it's all about building a brand. You know, we're, we're trying to build a brand that can, when we open new shops, there's already brand awareness, even in a location where we haven't been. When we open a new shop, we, we sort of expect that that brand awareness is, is going to grow and grow. Okay, so you prepared yourself, but obviously there's a big change from, you know, that uh, regular paycheck and making that transition from employee to business owner. What did you find was the biggest challenge? When I first opened the lunch bar, you know, I'm, I've got two young kids and when we first opened it, my wife was pregnant with my first, my son. You know, to start a hospitality business, as you said, a lot do fail. And, you know, I was paying myself $300 a week back then. And then uh, once the businesses and creating these systems, the supply relationships, I actually set targets that, you know, franchisees wouldn't have to do this because I've done all this hard work. I set targets that I would need to save money on three supplier arrangements every month. And I did that for about two years. And it was really difficult. I haggled a lot. I, I went through everything, how much it cost to get the bins emptied, every little detail I went through to get the best possible price available. Yeah, I guess over time it, it really worked. The hard work, the systems put in place, they did really work. We went 10 times the amount of turnover from when I bought that shop within about 18 months. As I say, we opened the, the second shop to rave reviews and high turnover, and it's remained at high turnover for three years now. We're currently looking at opening a third dark kitchen site and a fourth site. So all these systems and, and all these things that did take years to build have really set us up to springboard into locations with sort of people ready to spend money because they've heard of the famished wolf. They've probably tried it because we have people pre-COVID that would travel across the city due to the social media marketing and social media reach we have that travel across the city to come and try the famished wolf. So when we open a new location across the city, there's already people that would have heard of us and that word of mouth will build quickly. Yeah, absolutely. What made you go the second site and how did you do that successfully? Because you can't be in two places at once, Simon. That was the training program we had. So part of building a new site, which is available for franchisees as well, and, and what I'm doing right now is, as we're about to open a new shop next week, is training. So we hire some new chefs. They will be given a trial, interview, reference checks, and then they will come to one of the current locations and spend as much time as we can possibly get them there training. So when you open a new site, you hit the ground running. Everything's exactly the same. The standards are met. This is part of the training program that's offered to all franchisees to spend time in an operating Famish Wolf and learn every part of the menu, the service, the drinks, the whole lot, the ordering, all of this stuff. So that's really sort of pinnacle to success in, in opening a new shop is that training prior to opening, which obviously if you're opening your own small cafe or something, it's yeah. uh, a, a very different thing to do. It's very hard to train until you actually open the doors in most venues. Yeah, absolutely. So that's part of the package, full training? Yeah, that's right. That's one part of the package. Another part is, you know, I work with some experts in the business consulting area and the financial models that will need to be learnt so we know all the numbers and can manage your business correctly. There'll be a three-month training program supplied to franchisees with those business consultants as well. So 
my team and the famished wolf and myself are there to teach you the ordering the food all these sorts of things when it comes to the financials we have another team of business consultants and that's what they specialize in and that will be a three-month program for franchisees for that part of the training as well yeah fantastic i mean we've talked about the famished wolf we know it's burgers but there's burgers and then there's burgers simon i mean what's the competitive difference what has made the famished wolf so successful there's a few things. I really believe our variety. We have quite a lot of burgers to choose. You know, you can have a vegetarian burger, you can have a, a vegan schnitzel, a vegan beef, you can have up to 10 different beef burgers, you can have huge burgers, you can have a cheeseburger. We do a couple different varieties of chicken burgers, you know, fish burgers, we got gluten-free buns. So there really is a wide variety and we do great value kids meals. So for different demographics, we're available for everybody. And there's a wide variety of burgers to suit everyone. And on top of that, we have some wonderful sides, some innovative stuff with some loaded onion rings and loaded dim sims that pretty much no one else is doing in Australia. And these are setting us aside from the market. One of the newest things we've just done is launch a macaroni and cheese range. I mean, it's amazing how popular it is already. You know, I just launched that in Patterson Lakes, one of the locations. We've sold over 100 serves in four days which is a huge boost and moving forward obviously to be rolled out in all shops now will be this mac and cheese range that you know might prove to be as popular as how many burgers we sell which is per location at the moment over 11 1200 burgers so it's definitely a positive new product coming in there fantastic and you're always looking to improve the menu and introduce new products yeah absolutely and and you know we're doing really well in COVID. The macaroni and cheese, wonderful for delivery. I mean, it's going to be good in, in store as well. One of the other things I've, I've got going, we'll be doing a photo shoot this week, teaming up with a cocktail mixologist, and we're going to be doing a, an awesome cocktail menu, which will be launching before the end of these COVID lockdowns. So when we come back and, you know, everyone's celebrating and they want to go out, and eat and drink we're going to have extra reasons for them to come to the famished wolves with some amazingly tasty and good value cocktails so we'll, we'll have a full cocktail list so i believe we couldn't do much better during these covid lockdowns they're fantastic for our takeaway market but as soon as we come out you know it'd be hard pressed to get a seat at the famished wolf sure now you touched on it's a licensed restaurant patterson's lakes how many people does it seat simon Patterson Lakes, uh, in a perfect world, seats about 60 people. And Brayside is in an industrial area, which is a wonderful model of a shop. The rent is cheap in an industrial area. You really need to rely on the social media marketing and the marketing plans that the Famish Wolf has to get people into an industrial area because you don't have the foot traffic that a, a shopping centre would have. But we have those plans. At Brayside, on a sunny day, you know, we can seat up to 80 to 100 people there with as I say, very low rent and access to industrial zones for lunchtime trade and multiple residential areas within five minutes. So it's another wonderful model. This is a proven model that's appealing to tradies on their lunch break, families going out to dinner, mature people, teenagers, and it's pitched at a price that satisfies everybody. Yeah, that's definitely a fair assumption. Yeah, that's what we do. I mean, we have people coming for work lunches. We have people ordering massive meals to have at home. We have people celebrating birthdays. We have sports clubs. They come and celebrate their end of season 
You have people come a bit later just to have a few beers. We have the kids' meals. The reason why we've put some focus on the community and the kids' meals is because we can seat multiple diners at the same table before 7 p.m. because of what our kids' meals brings into the restaurant. So we can start serving dinner at 4 p.m. or 4.30 p.m. because the, these, the, the kids' menu that we have has such wide appeal. Now, the restaurants look pretty good, Simon. Now, you've put a lot of thought into how they're designed, both front of house and back of house, and you're building another restaurant now. What's your philosophy around both the design and the cost of building the Famish Wolf? Well, most definitely the cost. I've been through a few different suppliers as far as grills, fridges, fries. We try to keep the costs down. You can spend a lot of money on a fridge, and once you find a good product that has a long warranty, so you, you need to make sure you warranty. So we've researched all these products, and we're comfortable with um a wonderful value product that we found for all of our equipment. So that's paramount. You know, we need to be fitting out shops for no more than $150,000, which is a long way down from, from other venues. But you wouldn't think that when you walk in. I mean, it still looks fantastic. We're, we're doing a lot of greenery, a lot of artwork on the wall that could be graffiti or digital, just making it a comfortable space with comfortable lighting and comfortable music. We're not trying to have a have what might be like a lot of burger bars, you know, there might be a hip hop bar or something like that. We're much more inclusive. So everybody can come and enjoy it. And we're, we're all about the, the whole family coming in and enjoying it. As far as the kitchen goes, it's all about the flow of the kitchen. So, you know, if you've got five people in the kitchen and they're all doing different jobs, we really want them standing at their workspace and not having to move too much and not go past each other. So that sort of design and the systems in place of how we work in the kitchen has really changed how many people we can serve. You know, it's no small feat to send out two to 300 burgers in a day and have it all going out perfectly on time. And at mealtimes, a lot of people want to eat at the same time. So some of these systems that we have in place and, and the flow of the kitchen really helps towards that goal. So it's geared up to cater for a high capacity and so many hospitality businesses run into that wall where they just physically don't have the capacity to satisfy all the customers. So that's great. Yeah, that's right. We have the seats in the restaurant and it's wonderful. We love our customers coming to meet us and and spend time with us. But really the reality of it is, you know, moving forward, if we had restaurants that might have 40 seats or, or somewhere around that number and we turn over those tables three times a night, which is more than the average, and that's not squeezing people out. It's just because we're a, a quick-service restaurant, and as I say, we start with our diners early because the young kids and the young families coming in. But even with that, you know, you're only at 120 people a night, and we're looking to do more than double that to, to make really good money for our franchisees. That needs really good flow out of the kitchen so we can meet the demand for all the diners that want to enjoy the Famish Wolf at home. So obviously during COVID, there's quite a bit of disruption there, but technology has allowed agile businesses to pivot their operations and concentrate on delivery and takeaway. What did you do at the Famish Wolf? What was your experience? Yeah, the biggest pivot for us was first and foremost, when all of these COVID problems started happening, the first solution that we had to find was how we can 
keep all our wonderful staff employed during a difficult time. That basically consisted of all our front of house staff. They had to be trained in some sort of kitchen procedures. And since moving on, you know, it's amazing how well our systems work to train people because now we have waitresses that are looking to go on and manage new locations and they know the entire menu. They can cook on the grill when it's busy and they've really come leaps and bounds. So it was a wonderful pivot for us through COVID to have more training across our whole staff. So almost everybody could go out the front, serve a customer, run the point of sale, make a coffee, make a burger. It really sort of opens up so much more flexibility within a business if everyone is cross-trained. Fantastic. And my understanding is that since the COVID restrictions came in, your sales have gone up. Yeah, that's right. Our sales have gone up. You have some wonderful sales through COVID. Uh, We do have our own online sales. So um, our online menus that, you know, for franchisees, we, we have several online menus with different providers, but online sales direct with us that are near enough commission free have been really successful. So a lot of people happy to get out of the house and pick up their own food. And then we're not paying that 30%. We're getting the direct customer ordering direct with us. The online menus that we have set up with all the pictures, the combos you can build and stuff, it took a long time to set up, but it's all there ready to transfer to new sites. So the delivery platforms, they require the adoption of certain technologies so that you receive the orders from those delivery platforms. Have you had to integrate those into your existing systems and your point of sale system, Simon? We use an integrated product, yeah. It's a uh, terminal that allows you to have one tablet and one printer. And it also allows you for wonderful back office reporting so you can see your daily figures, you can see what products are most popular, your weekly, monthly figures. So we do use an integrated product. It doesn't integrate directly into the point of sales, although our online sales that are direct from our website are being directed straight through the point of sale. Some of the other technology that we have for franchisees coming on board is all our operations and training manuals online so we can make that available to franchisees and their staff and as that all goes through and they uh, study the operations manual sign off it's all date stamped we can look at reports to see where there's deficiencies in that and we can make sure that their staff is trained in all the right areas fantastic now obviously you touched on before that you use social media a lot to promote the business what sort of tools would a franchisee expect to receive to promote their business locally? Well, we have a uh, social media manager. So we have someone that manages our daily posts on social media. They will come and take photos. They make sure that they're coming to take photos of our monthly specials, any new products. That would basically be included for all franchisees. As well as that, our social media manager runs one of the largest food accounts in Australia. So we have fortnightly posts and live stories on that food account. So we have quite a huge reach when it comes to social media and we have additional relationships with a lot of food bloggers. They basically post pictures of food for free food and we've built relationships with them over the years. So if we have anything we'd like to launch, we can contact them directly and, and get them to post some stuff for us, which is quite beneficial as well. It's 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 hard for them to be on board with a, a restaurant. You know, they can go either way, but they've uh, over the years, you know, over five years of having relationships with a lot of these guys. There, the Famish Wolf is is well respected, so we have good reach there. The other thing is we're doing is 
we're, we're obviously using and, and utilizing Google Ads and Google Analytics, which we're finding really successful. And, and, and soon we'll be looking at using uh, Google Order buttons, which will be customers being able to order direct from Google, direct to the restaurant, which we think will bring in some more sales as well. But that'll all be set up for franchisees. Yeah, and as we touched on before, this space is incredibly complex and to have that support that all that hard work's already been done is invaluable, I would assume. All these menus online, everything that I've uh, that we've built with the combo products that we can offer as you go through and choose a burger and then build the many selections we do have, loaded fries, onion rings, 600ml drink can, milkshake, all these selections. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of work to get it set up in that way and I've looked through multiple burger shops accounts and almost nobody has it set up with as much variety and choice that we have. And I think in the numbers that we do, it proves that people want the choice, they want the variety, they want to control what they want, they want to take items out, they want to put items in. And every time someone takes an item out or put it, or puts it in, it's it's great for us. If if we if they take one out, it works for us. If they put one in, there's an additional cost. So all these benefits that we've built into all these online menus over years of hard work is paying off for the customer, but it also pays off for us too. Absolutely. It sounds like you've got that online location sorted, but you're also seeking to you know expand the physical locations. What sort of locations suit the Famish Wolf? Simon, so, mean, you know, you've got an industrial area at the moment, a suburban shopping centre. What other locations do you think the Famish Wolf suits? I really believe some of the new growth corridors in Melbourne, they really circle the entire city of Melbourne. There's growth corridors everywhere. And some of the strip shops with an anchor like a Woolworths or a Coles and with 10 to 30 specialty shops, I think they're a wonderful location for the Famish Wolf. I know they are. We're currently working out of one. I know what sort of leases. I have quite a few contacts with different leasing bodies that are setting these sort of places up. And there's lots available. I think that's one of the best avenues to go down. The industrial zones are equally just as good. I think it takes a bit of time to find the right industrial area and set it up. So, you know, you've got to, you've got to know some brokers and things like that to get the offerings quick before they are taken up because they're, they're actually quite popular, these industrial zones cafes. And there's not as many of them as there is traditional cafes, especially not what might suit a nighttime trade as well. So that's something you've got to keep an eye out for. The next site we're looking at, you know, we're, we're actually going to a slightly smaller site in Mount Eliza, but uh, it is still going to have about 30 to 40 seats. It's going to be like a at the front's going to be sort of more of a bar-style seating, so a lot more taller seats to fit more people in and then pushing this new cocktail menu and obviously having a streamlined access for all our delivery drivers and pickup orders that are happening. So you've identified particular areas that would suit that, you know, in terms of competition and potential locations. And so the, you've identified areas that are ready to go now? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of areas around Melbourne that we've identified that are ready to go. I mean, when we have some inquiries from a franchisee, we're happy to discuss that with them. We're not in the business of telling any new franchisees that they need to travel miles to work. So we'll yep. try and look for particular locations around suitable franchisees. Yep. But, uh, yeah, we definitely have some locations in mind that once we have these current two shops that we're building up and running, 
we'll be looking at some further locations and and therefore having more offer to franchisees available for locations that we're building, running locations and new locations. So you touched on before suitable franchisees. What type of people are you looking for to join you with at the Famish Wolf, Simon? Yeah, well, the type of person we're looking for to join us at the Famish Wolf is really sort of passionate people for life. You know, we need people that can make decisions. You're going to be a business owner. We need people that are good with people. So you need to be good with your staff. You need to be good with your customers. And then also it's going to be critical, which we can work with you with franchisees to build this in. But you're also going to have to be relatively good under pressure because, you know, we want to have a busy burger shop and the Famish Wolf Burger Shops are going to be busy. That is a definite fact. And we need to be good under pressure when, you know, we, we are cooking those several hundred burgers a day. So what sort of investments involved, Simon, to get into the Famish Wolf? Yeah, well, the package includes basically the full training suite, which is all, all your financial modelling, all your training, everything to get you up and running, all this online operations, menus, everything. And to build a restaurant, you know, you're probably starting at around $150,000 and sort of going up from there. We try to keep it very minimal, $150,000 to build a restaurant or a cafe. If anyone's ever tried to do that, would find it almost not achievable. But we've got systems, procedures and a team in place that can hit those targets. I just would say one thing to franchisees. If you are interested in looking at further information about the Famish Wolf, it's really now that it's a wonderful time to do it. You know, there's some uh, additional partnerships that we have with training programs that are government-backed. They're only going till March next year. It's really going to set you up in your business to make even more than what you might would previously with the Famish Wolf with some of these businesses with these training programs and, and some of the other benefits that have come off the back of this bad period of COVID. What do you love most about the business, Simon? Oh, I mean, I'm extremely proud of the Famish Wolf and the way it's grown over the years, the staff that I have. At the moment, we have over 20 staff. A lot of them have been there for years. They're extremely committed. They're extremely well-trained. They're fantastic with our customers. So just seeing what we can do with our locations, our staff and, and satisfying customers that's really what I love most about the Famish Wolf. And as I say, me as an owner, I'm very proud about the Famish Wolf and we want franchisees coming on that equally want to be proud about their own business and their own Famish Wolf, which, you know, once you come and work in the shop and, we, and see the passion that we put in the food, uh, the way we're always fresh with our meat, always fresh with our buns, what we're sending out, you can see why staff, customers, owners, all love the famished wolf fantastic that passion comes through simon thank you thanks simon really appreciate you sharing your story and the opportunity with us sounds like a fantastic opportunity for somebody to get in on the ground floor and i would assume there's some great growth opportunity if somebody's looking for it now for anyone listening to this podcast who is keen to put their name down for some more information there's a button beneath this podcast to submit your inquiry and the team at the famished wolf will be in touch very soon Thanks again, Simon, for joining us on the podcast today. Good luck with your development of the franchise. And I really look forward to hearing from you again soon for a bit of an update. Thank you very much, Gary. We look forward to hearing from some franchisees. Fantastic. Thanks, Simon.
Eden Exchanges was brought to you by the team at Eden Exchange. In this episode, we spoke to Simon McNeely, director of the Famished Wolf franchise, a burger business that's offering an amazing franchise opportunity. To find out more about Simon and the Famished Wolf franchise, or to discover other episodes by Eden Exchanges, head to our networking website, businessbuyinvest.com. You can also subscribe to this series on iTunes or Stitches if you're using Android. Find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram for recent info in the buying, selling, and investing world. Thanks for listening.